Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos, joined as always by Heather Simon, fellow writer and editor at Viva Albertos. Hello, that's me. And uh, our co-host Kane is uh, meandering around in the background, breathing heavily, (laughs) occasionally into the microphone. So once again, for anyone who just recently jumped into listening to the show, if you hear loud and um, heavy breathing. It's because of Kane. We don't have like people stalking us or anything. Well, yeah. we might, but <laughs> the stalker, the stalkers are much more quiet than Kane. Yeah, you would think Kane would be as a watchdog, keeping an eye out for the stalkers, but maybe he is. Maybe that's why he's so loud. That, that would explain it actually. Now that I think about it, but for now we're going to go ahead rather than talking about how we're being stalked, presumably by our adoring fans. We're going <laughs> to go ahead and talk about. Baseball. Uh, we recorded an episode last Monday between games five and six of the World Series. The World Series ended up going seven games, which it felt like when it came down to it, it felt like it should. Like mm-hmm. seven games just felt like the correct conclusion. Houston Astros ended up defeating the Los Angeles Dodgers in seven games. So congratulations to the Astros. Congratulations also to the Dodgers on a terrific season. I gotta say, I think I thought Game Seven was a lot better than people are giving credit for. There's a lot of people who are saying what a letdown Game Seven was, and I guess compared to the high points of the World Series, it was. But even though the Astros had the, all of the runs they needed within the first four pitches of the game, there were a lot of points where the where the Dodgers were threatening, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't like the greatest Game Seven ever. And I don't think because of that it can be considered the greatest World Series ever, but. Still, I think, a very good World Series and not the worst Game 7 I've ever seen. Yeah, there's definitely been worse. I fell asleep watching it, though, to be honest. And I woke up when uh, Correa was it Correa, proposing to his girlfriend. So did you miss the actual ending of the game then? Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I fell asleep. I woke up when it was all over. So you, got, you were in, to- <laughs> in time for the uh, proposal? Yeah, which was my favorite part of the game. Which, anyway. did he just have like a ring on him the whole time? Like, what, what was the... Uh... I don't know. I don't really think of players like having things on them while they're playing, except they were talking about like Tim Raines in the '80s. But that's a totally different story of what he was carrying. But yeah, Carlos Correa is engaged now, as of like half an hour after the World Series. I think Justin Verlander got married over the weekend, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But that just shows how little I care about the personal lives of these players. <laughs> I only know Correa got engaged because I literally watched it happen. And even still, don't care all that much. But <laughs> I thought it was sweet. It was the I made a joke that that was the highest leverage moment of the night. So I was like, oh my gosh. See, I have a general opposition to stadium proposals, but I guess if you're like a player, it's a little bit less tacky. Though it yeah. is still proposing at your work. But yeah, but I mean, the game was over technically. That's still a million times better than like the guy who goes on the stadium jumbotron and. I've never actually seen somebody say no to a stadium proposal, like, in person, but knowing that it has happened and having seen videos of it, it gives me life. It just makes me excited because (laughs) I'm a deeply cynical person who thinks people should propose not in front of tens of thousands of strangers, (laughs) but to each their own, I suppose. But as I mentioned, the Astros and the Dodgers, I don't know if they were the two best teams in baseball this year. I think certainly the Cleveland Indians would be up there as well, but... Two of the better teams. This wasn't a case of, like, 2006 with the Cardinals winning 83 games and making the World Series. You can make a case that these were the two best teams. And I think that 
the AL West is probably a little bit stronger than the AL Central, so you could really make the case there for uh, for Houston. But a lot of attention was put on the fact of the Astros, the T word, the tanking, mm-hmm. which is the second year in a row the team that was said to have been tanking won the World Series because the Chicago Cubs did it last year. And I think there's sort of this reaction among Cardinals fans of, well, why don't, well, we could just do that, right? Well, the Phillies have also tanked. The Braves have also tanked. The Padres have also t- There's a lot of teams that have tanked. Only two of them have won the World Series because, like, as much attention has been placed on the fact that, like, oh, the Astros, they drafted Carlos Correa, they drafted Alex Bregman high up in the draft. Well, first of all, the Correa pick was acquired because of their futility in 2011, so that wasn't even the Lunau administration. And then, if, if you want to say that they got Bregman because of tanking, I'll give you that one, but like that's one player. You take Alex Bregman off the Astros, and they're still like one of the best teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the players they acquired, look at their best players, like they have Jose Altuve, who was a uh, international free agent. They have guys who required via trade. They have guys like Marwin Gonzalez who were like very low-end types of acquisitions. Really, Josh Reddick's the only player on the team that is really a free agent acquisition of any particular note. And then if you look at the Dodgers, even though they're the wealthiest team in baseball, or you know, up there with the Yankees, they're the top two, certainly. The Dodgers haven't really depended that much on free agency either. Really, the only free agent acquisitions they have on their roster that were of any particular importance during the World Series were Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen, both of whom were on the Dodgers previously. So it's not like they were just getting, they weren't just buying the top guys on the market and then that was it. Mm-hmm. You have guys like Corey Seager and guys like uh, Chris Taylor who were acquired, well, Seager was a, a draft pick and then Taylor was acquired out of nowhere. And Clayton Kershaw was you know, a fairly high draft pick himself and he makes a lot of money now, but he was also signed during his arbitration years to these contract extensions. And I think really that's that's just the way that you build a team. And I think that anybody whose reaction to this is seeing, oh, the Astros tanking, that's the first thing I think of, the Cardinals should tank. Or seeing, oh, Dodgers, big money, just buy everybody. That's not really the way that the teams were built, even though that's what it looks like on the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I think tanking is a very like broad way to, to view it because... It's not that they're really necessarily even intentionally trying to be bad. They're just not actively trying to be good necessarily. Yeah. They're um, instead of using resources to acquire free agents that may or may not work out, they're instead uh, applying that to like the draft and wanting to develop from within the organization. And that's kind of the way you have to do it because of the way the collective bargaining agreement is. And that these teams have six years of control over a player when by the time they reach free agency, they're not really in their peak. They're usually like just like at the tail end of their peak. Yeah. And there are certain players that are that reach free agency a little bit earlier than others. Jason Jason Hayward was a, a notable example. Bryce Harper will be an example next year, but... When it comes down to it, most of the players that are hitting free agency are closer to around 30. Mm-hmm. And like maybe in that first year or two, you're going to be getting what you're expecting based on the player's track record. But towards the end of it, you're paying for an older player, but you're still paying tens of millions of dollars for it. And certainly the Astros, under the first couple of years of Jeff Lunau, could have spent more money. But they couldn't have bought everybody. They didn't have an unlimited budget. 
Base if they had made the smart decisions with who they signed, like relatively smart decisions, you can't bank on a Marwin Gonzalez, but signed guys who did reasonably well for free agents, they could have had a better record, but they were not going to make the playoffs. They were right. so decimated in terms of their farm system that they really didn't have a choice. And I think that it makes sense for the Astros. I think the Astros are a more obvious example of tanking than the Cubs. The Cubs did a little bit, but I don't think it's, I think most of that's just selling off parts at the deadline, whenever you don't have a chance of making the playoffs. But mm-hmm. the Astros, whenever they they made these moves, they, were, they weren't shooting for first place as if they weren't tanking. They were shooting for fourth place if they weren't tanking. The Cardinals, as they're set up right now, are a good enough team that they can be competitive. If the Cardinals were... I mean, the Cardinals could strip their entire roster away and just trade for prospects if they wanted to. But at that point, you're abandoning a chance at the playoffs that you have right now. Like, the Cardinals right now could make the playoffs. And we'll talk later about moves they can make to increase their odds. I don't think the odds are good enough that you can call it a day, but the odds are still higher than the Astros had in 2012 or whenever you want to point to. So I I think that when it comes down to it, not, not that tanking is like a realistic option for the Cardinals, but for anybody who thinks that you have to just sort of copy what the previous team did, Look at what the previous team did. Like, yeah, you, you drafting Alex Bregman is a nice thing to do, and it certainly is going to help. But this was a team... And look at a guy like Dallas Keuchel. He was drafted in, I think, the third or fourth round. You find these players, you develop these players. And yeah, the Cardinals haven't had these high draft picks, so they can't get a guy like Correa, who was... Granted, Correa was considered sort of the cheap way out when they drafted him first overall, but certainly was a high-level prospect. But... Like, yeah, the Cardinals haven't been able to get these guys because they, they're too good, so they don't have top 10 draft picks. But they didn't have these guys in the early 2010s, either when they had the number one farm system in baseball. Mm-hmm. They were able to sign guys through international free agency like Oscar Taveras and Carlos Martinez. They were able to draft guys like Shelby Miller, who was a mid-to-late first-round pick. But once he hit the majors, his prospect tier was considered much higher than that. He was outranking guys who were drafted a dozen spots ahead of him. And that's really... It's hard to say that that's the solution because as a fan, I don't know who these young prospects are. So I can't say, oh, sign this guy who's a junior in high school once he becomes available. But realistically, that's the way to approach it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, if the Cardinals tanked, it would like ever so slightly increase their chances down the road. But the increase in their chances down the road would not make up for the loss of chances today. Right. I think is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think the point is you, you take your shot. And if you don't have a shot, you tool up to get a better shot. And then you take your shot. It's kind of like how they acquired like Beltron and um, I'm trying to think of like Charlie Morton and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and Beltron was a relatively expensive free agent. Granted, it was just for one year, but... That was an example of a free agent signing that didn't work out in terms of just on-field production. You can say what you will about his Clubhouse leadership. Presence. and yeah. Congratulations to Beltran on the ring, by the way. I'm I was, so excited for him, yeah. He could, he could not have looked happier after <laughs> they won. And I know it had very little to do with him this go-around, but he deserved a ring for a lot of other Right. It runs. seems like only fitting that, that he kind of let the kids win it for him since he basically put all these other teams on his back and got nothing out of it. He, I mean, I guess I guess it's not fitting. I'm sure he would rather have been the hero, but... 
Yeah, his worst series as a Cardinal in the playoffs was the 2013 World Series. And you could still argue that he was, like, the most valuable player on the Cardinals in that series. Mm -hmm. He had one of the highest OPSs. He had a good defensive play. It's crazy how good he has been historically in the postseason. and Good for him. But, yeah, but a guy like Charlie Morton really typifies, I think, what we're talking about, which is you get a guy who showed some promise in the past, you sign, but you have faith in that guy. You sign him, and he made what like seven and a half million this year. He was worth more than that. Mm-hmm. And you were able to get guys who were not necessary. In, in Game Seven of the World Series, they had Lance McCullers starting, and he was okay. And then you trade for Verlander at the deadline. Yeah, and that, that's. I mean, Verlander is obviously like a big blockbuster move, and the Dodgers trading for Darvish would be their version of that. But you make those moves to add on to what you have. Right. Like, that cannot be the foundation. It, there was a point in baseball where it could be the foundation. You could be the Yankees and just go out, after losing the World Series in seven games, go out and sign Jason Giambi and, I don't even remember who else it would have been at that point, Raul Mondesi maybe. You sign all these, you know, huge name players. And then once you lose the World Series in 2003, you go out and trade for Alex Rodriguez. Like, it's not really conducive to that because you have the luxury tax because you have the not that i think that would be a a factor for the cardinals because i don't think that even if they were spending to the absolute capacity i don't think they're really a threat to be at the luxury tax threshold just because their revenues are not comparable to the dodgers or the yankees but regardless though i I think that when it comes down to it the next cardinals champion isn't going to be bought on the free agent market unless something dramatically different happens with player compensation it's going to be built by a lot of homegrown players and then signing guys who are able to fill in roles that you need Mm -hmm. you're able to have guy if you have a stud at you know xyz position but you don't have a stud at w position you sign a sudden free agency it may even be a little bit of an overpay but it's enough that you put your team over the top but so let's talk about the uh, the moves that the cardinals do have to make as far as actual moves that have been made in the last week, not a lot's happened, and it probably won't really, as far as free agency, kick into high gear for a few weeks at least. But uh, today, on Monday, November 6th, the news broke that uh, Trevor Rosenthal was, he's officially a free agent now. It's was not particularly surprising news. I think we both had stated our belief that Rosenthal, who's going to miss most, if not all, of 2018, recovering from Tommy John surgery... It just didn't make sense to resign him. I was hoping that maybe they would try to work out a deal where they would like issue him maybe a contract lower than his arbitration uh, value because he was entering his third year of arbitration. Or yeah, it's very rare in terms of arbitration though that a player's salary goes down. Yeah, but I mean, you can buy it out. Like yeah, you... instead of releasing him, they were able to work something out where they. Um, like got two. You have years. to work like player options in there and things yeah. like that. Like I was hoping they'd be able to work something out because it just seems like a bummer that you kind of use this this player and then like ruin like ruin his arm and then bye bye thanks for thanks for all the hard work good luck and then, you know what I mean and then that's the it like it seems not very cool but his agent's also Scott Boris I think and I so, believe so yeah. A, kind of hard to probably work out something with yeah. him that's just seems. that's just kind of the way the game's played though in terms of 
using up players and then you know towards the end once they're no longer useful to you teams just kind of discard them and I'm not saying it's ethical. I'm not saying that's the way it should be, but that's the way the system's set up, and I would fully expect that teams are going to work around those parameters. And if you want to discuss, you know, players should probably try to do something in the next collective bargaining agreement so that this isn't the case, mm-hmm. I would totally be on board with that. But until that happens, I understand why a team is going to make, frankly, the the ruthless move. Like, mm-hmm. this is... It's a little cutthroat. It's a little bit unpleasant but it's the thing that you have to do if you're going to be a competitive organization is you have to not be uh swayed by sentiment yeah it's just it just is a bummer i feel really bad for him it is a bummer and (laughs) and i when he was when he was on before he was hurt he was really good pitcher absolutely and the cardinals are going to have to fill a void in their bullpen which we'll discuss in a, a moment as far as uh, Cardinal starting pitchers, though, one of the other stories that's come out is that Lance Lynn was officially offered the qualifying offer, which I don't know if he's officially declined it yet, but he's expressed his intention that he's going to decline it, which, again, not a surprising story. He's a player who, you know, especially with this free agent class, which is not a great free agent class, like once you get past Hugh Darvish and Jake Arrieta, there's not really another major pitcher who's head and shoulders above Lance Lynn in this class. Especially with uh, Masahiro Tanaka opted in with the Yankees, Ian Kennedy opted in with the Royals. It just means fewer players that are going to be coveted. Mm-hmm. Obviously it means that the Yankees and the Royals no longer have a pressing need for a starter, but I think that having that cachet of being maybe not a top-tier free agent pitcher, but being in the tier right below that is going to be helpful. And I think that that's going to... I think Lance Lynn's going to get paid by somebody. I don't think it's going to be the Cardinals. It could be, but... It doesn't seem like it would be. It doesn't yeah, seem like it, a move they would make. It, seem, it seems strange if the Cardinals have any intention of re-signing Lance Lynn that they would have gone this long without negotiating with him at all. Right. And it, it seems from everything I've heard from Lance Lynn for years now is that he wanted to hit free agency. He wanted to test the market. And I don't blame him for it. But... At some point, he would have accepted an extent. Like, every player has its... Like, players are not wanting to test free agency because of just the thrill of the chase. They're doing it because they want to get paid money. Mm-hmm. And if the Cardinals had offered something that was... Like, say they'd offered an extension whenever he was out last year of Tommy John surgery, I'm sure he would have listened. Yeah. And apparently no negotiations happened, which I don't even think it's the wrong move by the Cardinals, but I think it's a little bit disingenuous to believe that it's particularly likely that he's back. No, I don't. I don't think he is. Which would be a bu- is a bummer because I always liked Lance Lynn, but also it's yeah. Someone has to step up for being the sarcastic, sort of surly guy on the <laughs> team because that that was what he was good for. And you have guys on the team like Carlos Martinez, who's just sort of a goofier personality. But I want somebody that's a little bit drier in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. I feel like that fits my own temperament <laughs> a little bit, so that's what I and want. Now that Holiday's not there, and uh, Lance Lynn gone, there's not really a lot of personalities like that. I'm trying to think of... Maybe one of the younger players will develop that. As they get older, they become a little bit more jaded, <laughs> which granted Lance Lynn's like 30, so it's not like he's old. At least I'm going to tell myself that 30's not old. <laughs> it's not. As I watch the calendar, uh, you know. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't think 
Lynn will be back, but I think, but I think it's certainly though the Cardinals need to get somebody, and they'll benefit from the fact that Alex Reyes is coming back off of his Tommy John season, and you have young pitchers that are interesting and exciting, but you're going to lose you know, unless you make a move. You're going to lose Rosenthal. You're going to lose Lynn. You're going to lose um, Sung Wan Oh. You're going to lose Zach Duke. You're going to lose Juan Nicasio unless you end up bringing guys back. And the guys who are currently in the organization, you have a few guys that are intriguing that I think can be good players, but you don't have enough depth that I feel even remotely comfortable going into the season. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as free agent relievers are concerned, the only player, according to the MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Roundup, which comes out every year and it's sort of a big banner day in terms of people who are paying attention to free agency. The only player that they had in the top 50, the Cardinals actually signing, was Greg Holland, who is a uh, relief pitcher who's most notable for his time with the Royals, but this last season was on the Rockies and tied for the National League lead in saves. Probably the number two reliever on the market behind Wade Davis, who also from the Royals, and but most recently on the Cubs. I don't know how... Based on the price tag that they had for Greg Holland versus the price they had for Lance Lynn, and I'll pull up what the exact numbers were, but at the price they were offering, I would much rather just sign Lance Lynn because with Greg Holland, you only really have you know a reliever out of it. And it's a guy who, he got a lot of saves this year, but a lot of that's opportunity rather than a reflection on how good he actually was. And... To me, if you're going to pay top dollar for a free agent reliever, you might as well get a guy like Wade Davis. I don't really want the Cardinals to sign Wade Davis, but I understand the logic behind getting that guy. And I would understand understood the logic behind getting Kenley Jansen or getting Mark Melanson or getting, if he weren't you know, an awful person or all this Chapman, getting mm-hmm. that kind of guy. But with Holland, it just seems like he's such a replaceable type of player. Like you can find a guy like Greg Holland... And maybe Holland, you have more faith in than any given player, but you have an entire system to draw from. Somebody seemingly would be a better, more exciting, and certainly cheaper option than Greg Holland. Yeah, I've never been a fan of free agent relievers, really. It just seems like you overpay, and relievers are always so volatile with how they perform. It's like, it just never seems like it works out. It always seem it always seems like you pay a bunch and then they're not that good. <laughs> like every time, you're I think you're better off just using some of your younger players to supplement your bullpen, and then you I mean not all free agent relievers are bad. You could go after and get some, but it just seems like it's always a waste of resources that you could use for a different, more impactful player. Yeah, I would rather they just re-sign Nicasio rather than going for one of these other players because he's yeah. going to be quite a bit less expensive. So I Exactly. Have... Yeah, there's like bargains out there that you can get, but like the big name free agent relievers, I just feel like it's never never worth it. And also they usually have a lot of innings under their arm because they're the, they're big names for a reason and they're likely to break. <laughs> yeah, so MLB trade rumors, it's actually 8 through 10 are all relevant players in here. Number 8's Wade Davis. They they have him going to the Astros for 4 years and 60 million. And then Lance Lynn, they have going to the Rangers for four years and $56 million. And then, number 10, they have Greg Holland going to the Cardinals for four years and $50 million. Definitely not four years. That yeah. sounds terrible. If you're going to sign a player to four years, do not sign him for $12.5 million per year. There's just a lot going on there. And if you're paying that much for a reliever, you have to expect that he's going to be solid. 
Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, I would just pay the extra $6 million for Lance Lynn at that point if you're going to spend the money. Mm-hmm. Because if you have Lance Lynn as, as a starter, first of all, then you have a guy that's reliably going to get you know, close to 200 innings per season. You have him along with Martinez. And yeah, you still have Adam Wainwright around, but are you absolutely positive that you're going to want Adam Wainwright in the rotation the entirety of next year? I mean, maybe, but I don't know that I would bank on it. And then you have a lot of guys who are younger. And if you sign a guy who's a starting pitcher or trade for a starting pitcher for that matter, then you have the ripple effect that Alex Reyes can just go to the bullpen. And you have to figure that Reyes is going to be on some sort of innings limit this season. So why use in the rotation? Are you just going to do like a 2012 Steven Strasburg thing where you use him in the rotation and then you shut him down? Like I'd rather use him in the bullpen and then have him in those sort of high leverage situations. And he won't pitch as much, but he'll be very valuable when he pitches. And you're able to sort of nurse him along in that regard. And maybe at some point he has to go to the rotation, but I'd rather not bank on that. And you have guys like Luke Weaver and Jack Flaherty, though... You know, any of those three pitchers that I just mentioned to transition to another topic have been rumored in potential Cardinals trades. And the the big trade rumor, and I don't even know how much credence there is to the rumor, but people are certainly excited and talking up, is uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who was uh, just announced today as a National League MVP candidate, and certainly, I think, the favorite to win NL MVP off of the uh, Miami Marlins, the man who hit 59 home runs this year, and it's hard not to get excited when the rumored trade target is a guy of his stature. The, the question with him, though, is his contract, because he's a player who is under contract for, um, I can pull up the exact number of years, but he has not out in three years. I know that much. And then for the remainder of it, though, if he, like, basically, you, you can tr- try to acquire Giancarlo Stanton and if he opts out, that means he was really good when he was with the Cardinals. So at that point, I think it's okay. Because if you have a player who has a player option, you want the player to decline the option when it comes down to it. You want the player to be good enough that it's not like uh, Johnny Cueto, who uh, accepted his player option with the Giants this year. You don't want it to be a situation where a player is accepting it because it means he probably wasn't very good previously. And you're not super excited about paying him that amount for the... Uh, for the remaining however many years. I'm excited about it. I know that uh, Peter Gammons re- reported on it, um, and then Derek Gould said that the Cardinals, uh, I think it was Mosaic said that they're more likely to trade for an impact bat than acquire anyone via free agency. And- I think that's really basically the only way they can do it, because the top free agent bat is J.D. Martinez, and... I guess it depends how much faith you... I, I guess I'm relatively confident in him, but and it's going to cost a lot of money, obviously. And then next up is Eric Hosmer, who's a player that I've written point blank. I do not want the Cardinals to sign. I think it's completely pointless to sign Eric Hosmer because I don't think he's really better than Matt Carpenter. Right. I think I wrote something similar to that. Too. And like, Yeah, you can move Matt Carpenter to third base. Like, you can work around it, but is it really going to be worth it to accommodate Eric Hosmer... And even if it is, Eric Hosmer's going to cost a lot of money. I'd rather spend that money towards Giancarlo Stanton, frankly. Yeah. So, yeah, they they had reported that the Cardinals were in talks with the Marlins about Stanton. And it it's a kind of a natural fit because the Cardinals are looking for that impact bat that they, quote, quote, they keep saying, 
and the Marlins are looking to shed some payroll, that would be a good way to do it. And then because he has that big contract, you wouldn't have to give up necessarily a, a top like you have to give up one of the top arms, but you wouldn't have to. It doesn't necessarily start at Alex Reyes. There's room for negotiation yeah. because of the contract. It probably just depends how much of the contract you want the Marlins to eat because the Marlins are probably gonna have to accept some of that contract. Right. But there's gonna be enough suitors that they're not. It's not like they're gonna have to pay all of the contract. So looking at Stanton, he makes $25 million in 2018, $26 million in 2019 and 2020, and then he has the uh, the opt-out if he wants it. And then at that point, for the next uh, seven years, it's 29, 29, 32, 32, 32, 29, 25. And then in 2028, he has a $25 million option that includes a uh, $10 million buyout. When he's uh, 38. So again, we're talking about in 2028. So we're talking in 11 years. It's it's a little yeah. bit scary. When, yeah. And I guess if, if you're going to get a guy on that kind of contract, Stanton is as good of a candidate as any because he's a guy who you figure a big bat like that. And guys like that just don't come around very often. But see, I'm somebody who doesn't believe that the Cardinals quote-unquote need an impact bat because I think that they have plenty of good players. They have plenty of guys who can, and like realistically, like look at the Astros. They have guys who are good hitters, but a lot of the value of guys like Altuve and Correa are the fact that they can play positions like second base and shortstop. Like Altuve was like a premium level hitter this year, and Correa was for about three fourths of the time. But are these going to be guys that would be counted on, like, if they played a non-premium position, like first base or, in the case of Stanton, right field? Yes, but at the same time, they wouldn't be quite as valuable. And, like, the Cardinals... But also, to sort of defend the idea of acquiring Stanton, because I think there's certainly a case for it, you have a guy who is a clear upgrade over everybody else. Like I mentioned before, Eric Hosmer... I don't think is a clear upgrade over Matt Carpenter. You can say he's an upgrade, but I don't think he's head and shoulders better. You could look at a guy in free agency. You can look at guys in free agency. You know, right down. Let me pull up the list again because for some reason I closed that tab. I don't know why, but uh, let's see here. And this is everybody's favorite: is me looking at the. Mm-hmm. You look at a guy like uh, Mike Moustakis. Is he better than the Cardinals' current situation at third base? Yeah, but I don't think he's like you know world's better. A guy like Lorenzo Cain. There's basically listing off Royals at this point, but <laughs> but at this point though, you're not looking at guys who are amazing who are going to be clearly better. Like Zach Cozart is number thirteen. He's a shortstop, and he's 32 years old. Do you think he's definitely better than Paul DeYoung? Like, Kozar had a career year this year, and maybe DeYoung had a career year as well, but I'm not so sure that I would rather have Kozar even taking the financials out of it over DeYoung. Like, young players are going to be the way that you build your team, so you want to find a find where there's a hole. The Cardinals don't really have a hole, so free agency doesn't really work out as well for them in that sense. But... You know, if Giancarlo Stanton's an option, pretty much every team has a hole compared to having Stanton. Right. So, so that's, I think, where you make a big move. 
whether this is the right big move or not. I guess it depends on how much the Marlins are wanting to give up. But if it came down to the Cardinals trading Weaver, Flaherty, and then probably trading some like lower-level prospect, and then you get Stanton and the Marlins eat like 20% of the contract, that, that really makes the Cardinals contenders. Like it's, it's hard to dismiss that. And there's, of course, a chance that the uh, trade completely falls flat in their faces. There's a lot of risk here because, mm-hmm. as I said before, you want Stanton opting out of that contract. You want him to be awesome for three years, for him to make a you know, pretty good amount of money, but for him to be an MVP candidate. And then once his free agency hits, he just you know, opts out and gets paid a bazillion dollars by somebody. <laughs> you want that, though. Because the worst case scenario is that Stanton gets hurt and isn't as productive whenever he's playing. And then you're stuck with him for, as I said, through 2028, which, again, makes me a little bit uneasy to uh, keep saying 2028 and thinking, oh, wow, we can have Stanton until I'm, like, 40. <laughs> Goodness gracious. All right. So I feel old, but uh, Jean-Carlo Stanton seems uh, seems good. Our co-host, Kane, will be, he'll be, like, 18 by the time Stanton's contract is up. It's old. It's old, buddy. All right, so are there any uh, particular free agents that intrigue you? Cause I've, I've mentioned, of course, I'll pull up the list again if that'll help. I'll say I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Yeah, because like, looking down the list, I mean, the top two, according to trade rumors, you have Darvish, you have Martinez, you have Hosmer, you have Arietta, and then five they listed Tanaka, but Tanaka ended up not opting out, so I, really number five would be Mustakas. These are good players, but they're not players that are going to change everything. And that's why I think that it's fair for the Cardinals to sort of hesitate on them. And I know that people are going to criticize the Cardinals for being cheap or whatever after all of this. But like last offseason, the Cardinals pretty much, I think, did what most people wanted them to do, which was you know, sign one of the bigger free agent players that's a position player. And they got Dexter Fowler, who turned out to be a lot more productive than, say... Um, Edwin Encarnacion was, or, um, I mean, not Justin Turner. That would be the one exception, I think. Right. But I, I don't, don't think they ever had a shot at Justin Turner. Maybe. I don't think so. I think a lot of people who are like... I wanted them to get Justin Turner. A lot of people who about Turner now, I think, are sort of saying it in retrospect. I think there was a lot of excitement around Fowler, probably more than there would have been around Turner, which, I mean, in retrospect, I'd rather have Turner because he was incredible this year. Like, Fowler was fine, but... yeah. No, I really wanted them to go out and get Turner, but I have a feeling that he was going to sign with the Dodgers. The Dodgers were always going to have more money, and also he's from the area. And he, he clearly was comfortable there because... He, I think he wanted to be there. and so somehow, I mean, that was the team where he went from guy who was non-tendered by the Mets to being you know, an MVP caliber player. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understand that. But yeah, as far as... But yeah, you, they had Fowler, and then... They re-signed Carlos Martinez. They re-signed Yadier Molina. There's only so much that you can do. It's not like there was... I, I guess the Red Sox probably had the splashiest offseason last year in terms of acquiring Chris Sale, but the, the, considering the package they gave up, it was sort of a fair trade because they gave up the top prospect in baseball. So the Cardinals can get a guy like that, but they're going to have to give up really high-end minor league players to do it. And at that point, you really hope those players work out. Which, maybe it's worth the risk. Maybe I'm too passive to possibly uh, be relied on for any sort of idea giving here. 
That seems like a weird phrase. <laughs> yeah, one fr- there's a few free agents I like that I think can just sort of fill in and can fulfill a certain role. One of them I actually am writing about for tomorrow. So people who are listening to this before 10 a.m. on Tuesday, I'm once again vouching for Gerard Dyson. I still think this makes sense, and I will continue to vouch for it because, yeah, the Cardinals already have a million average-ish outfielders, but this time you can get an average-ish outfielder who is like a spectacular fielder and base runner, and he fulfills a role that's not fulfilled by Randall Gritchick or Stephen Piscotty, who are just sort of all-around decent players, whereas Dyson's a worse hitter but has other things he does very well. So that's that's my one soapbox <laughs> moment, I think. But Dyson's uh, deceptively old. He is deceptively old, and I'm not, I'm not saying sign him to a, a huge, you know, half dozen year contract. Yeah. But that's only ri- real risk with him is that a lot of his value is with speed and defense, and that seems to decline yeah. once you hit a certain age. But there were no so. signs of it last year, though. He was still stealing a bunch of bases. He was still a good fielder with Seattle. I'm saying like a two year contract. To be clear, right. I'm not saying sign him. Give him the superstar deal. No, you're not, you're not giving him Stanton money. Yeah. You're not going to build around... I don't, I don't know how many people get Stanton money besides... Well, like, literally only one player yeah. has gotten Stanton money. So I think that that's probably not going to happen with this free agent class with anybody. And if it does, I hope it's not the Cardinals because there isn't a player in this free agent class who's worth the Stanton contract. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think they do that. And uh, I guess the one other story that we... that came out earlier today as well. Uh, Paul DeYoung is Rookie of the Year finalist. Woo! And uh, so congratulations to Paul DeYoung, who will now, um, along with Josh Bell, be able to finish behind Cody Bellinger for <laughs> another Rookie of the Year. I mean, we're, let's be honest, we know that he's not going to win. But... Yeah, but it's still nice. And maybe in a different year when there wasn't a Yeah, an Cody obvious. Bellinger, yeah, he could have possibly won. This is the third year in a row, I believe, that the Cardinals had a Rookie of the Year finalist because last year they had... Diaz. Diaz, and then 2015 they had someone too, didn't they? Um, I want to say they did. Oh, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Piscotty got votes, but I don't think. Oh, Wong in 14, I think is who I was thinking of. So three and four years. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, not bad. Yeah, it's not bad for an aging core. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and DeYoung wasn't even one of the like the hotshot prospects we were talking about. Whenever we had. Uh, Aaron and Josie on for the uh, the prospect roundup episode before the season. We didn't really discuss very much Paul DeYoung. Like he came up a little bit, but mm-hmm. he was on their lists. But yeah, but like, like low. Yeah. yeah, but that's the sort of like Paul DeYoung is the perfect epitome of the kind of player that the Cardinals need to build around. You need to get guys who are not necessarily highly regarded players that turn out to be productive major league players. So what I'm saying is every player turns into like a Paul DeYoung level surprise, I think the Cardinals are going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking too much here. Right. No, not at all. All right. Well, uh, I think we've uh, gone on long enough. Kane is starting to pant again, so. <laughs> yeah, he's awoken from his little nap that mm-hmm. he took. The audio quality may be rapidly deteriorating, so let's uh, sign off while we can. Heather, do you have anything else you want to add or uh, publicize or anything like that sure you can follow me on twitter lil underscore scooter 93 and you can read my writing at viva albertas monday through friday at 12 noon yep you can find me on twitter at john jf125 viva albertas.com i write generally on tuesdays and thursdays though i had a post go up on saturday too which was a a little bonus treat for everybody who for everybody who likes my writing and for anyone who doesn't like my writing well, 
It's free. <laughs> Website's free, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> just don't read it. Close your eyes. Yeah, but you can check out uh, Viva Alberto's on Twitter at Viva Alberto's, Facebook.com slash Viva Alberto's, uh, Viva Alberto's podcast. We are on uh, Stitcher. We are on iTunes. Leave us nice reviews. Oh, I haven't checked those for a while. So for all I know, everyone's trashing us in the reviews. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, we would still indirectly, without actually seeing it, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Um, anybody who wants to uh, send Kane treats, I'm sure you can get in contact with Heather and she'll probably ignore it because he gets enough treats as it is. That's true. All right. Bye, everybody.